You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, church. Today I'll be reading from Matthew 6, verses 24 to 35. Therefore I tell you, sorry, I'll give you guys a second. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, um, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thanks, Nick. Morning, everybody. Hope you're well. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, for our staff retreat. Thank you for the Tina Turner tribute. That was a lovely surprise. Uh, The staff and I are really looking forward to heading away to Bali tonight. Um, (laughs) Business class. Thank you. Thank you in advance. Kidding. Really kidding. Just to clarify, we're going to the Blue Mountains uh, and we are looking forward to that. So continue to be in prayer for us as we seek the Lord on on how to lead this church well. We are really looking forward to that. Ah, well, good morning on a on a cold, wintry, almost wintry Sydney morning. We are well into our series in the Lord's Prayer. Teach us to pray. Hope you're enjoying it. I hope it's changing how you pray. That's why we chose to do this series. I hope it's informing your prayer life. It's, it's enriching your prayer life. It has done to me and the rest of the staff. So that's, that's our hope. Hope it's helping you pray to your Father in heaven. Today we look at a wonderful line, give us today our daily bread. I have been immensely encouraged and challenged this week as I've, I've researched and prayed and thought through, what does it mean to pray this line? Lord, give us today our daily bread. Before we get going, let me ask some rhetorical questions. How many of us, how many of us would like to be more content? How many of us wish that we were? How many, maybe we feel a bit of guilt that we're more discontented than we maybe should be. How many of us sense that we we actually aren't as content as we could be or should be? How how much of our thought life is filled with worry and anxiety, filled with what-ifs? What if this? What if? How much of our prayer life is full of these things, is full of worry 
and anxiety. How many of us get overwhelmed when we think about the future? When we think about all the things that we need to, that we should be, that we have to be doing. How many of us feel overwhelmed when we do that? All the things, you know, how are we going to afford this if that happens? How are we going to cope with that if this happens? How are we going to do all the things that we need to do with our very human limitations? I don't think I'm the only one (laughs) that struggles with these things. It might be surprising, but these six words give us today our daily bread, have a lot to teach us about these things, about contentment, anxiety, worry. These are things we all wrestle with, are they not? Can we be honest with ourselves for a moment? Give us today our daily bread. Move out here. Has a lot to teach us, can speak to all of this. Might sound like a big task. These are the topics we're going to encounter as we explore what it means to pray this line of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus Jesus taught us. Now, first, a little overview of where we've been. We're in week five. What have we been doing the last four weeks? The last four weeks, we've looked at the opening line and then the first half, the first three lines of this prayer. Jesus' disciples witness his life, his ministry, and his prayer life. And they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he responds to them with what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. We've looked at the opening line and the first three lines. And the order of this prayer is really important. We've said it before. It's worth saying again. The order teaches us something about prayer about the right posture of our hearts towards God. What's the opening line? Our Father in heaven. We start there. We start anywhere else. We're in big trouble. The first question, who is God? Who are we praying to? Infinite importance. Who is he? What is God like? Is he an authoritarian dictator, an angry headmaster, an impatient parent? Is this the God that we come to when we pray? No, no. Jesus teaches us God is our Father, kind, loving Father who longs to hear from his children. And doesn't that just change everything? I mean, the last thing you want to do, right, when you're going through a hard time, any time, is share something with someone who's not listening and doesn't really care and who you don't trust. This is not our great God, loving Father, longing to hear from his children, waiting to hear from us, our Father in heaven. The next three lines that we've been looking at are about God's name, his kingdom, and his will. May your name be honoured, may it be thought of as holy. May more of your kingdom be present here on earth, and may your will be done, not mine. Oh, that's a, did, Caleb did such a good job, job last week talking about God's will. I'm often tempted to pray, Lord, my will on earth as I see fit. But your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will for the world and for my life. And Lord, I trust it and I want to walk in it. These are the things that we pray first. And then we get to our needs. Only week five are we talking about our request, that's got to teach us something. Our needs come after God's glory. And far from it being neglectful, bad for us, it's for our good. 
Why? When we put God's glory first, what are we doing? When we pray in this order, what are we doing? We are saturating ourselves with the truth, aren't we? Reminding ourselves, who is God? What is he like? He's a loving father. He is infinitely awesome. He has a perfect kingdom. His plans are perfect and they're far better than my own. In this first half, what are we doing? We are preparing ourselves to pray properly for our needs. Let me also say, I think it's worth, worth pointing this out. We don't need to be robotic when it comes to our prayer life, okay? With the order of our prayer life. Every time we want to bring a need before God quickly, we don't have to, okay, what's the order? It's kingdom, it's will, it's no, 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 not like that, okay? Of course, we can bring our needs to God at any time. But Jesus is teaching us this prayer, why? To inform our entire prayer lives, okay? Our posture of prayer. Now, before we go any further, let me briefly define what this line means. Give us today our daily bread. What does it mean? Briefly define it, then we'll unpack it. Briefly define it. When we pray, give us today our daily bread, we are asking God to give us all that we need to live life this day. Okay, let me say that again. When we pray, give us today our daily bread, we're asking God to give us all that we need to live life this day. That can cover all things physical, all things spiritual. All the things that you and I need to be sustained. All the things you and I need that are good for us to live out this life that God has planned for us. Yep. So that's, that's the broad, brief description, definition of give us today our daily bread. Now let's have a look at that line, give us today our daily bread. That first word, give. Might sound a little bit aggressive at first thought. Give, give me. Gimme, gimme, gimme. But we aren't to think about it like that, right? It's not aggressive. It's not self-centered in this instance. Why? Because of everything we've just talked about, the order. Yep. The order of the prayer changes everything. Your name, your kingdom, your will be glorified. Then we move on to our needs. And let me say this. It is right and good to come to our heavenly Father with our needs. What does Jesus teach us? Seek, doesn't he? Ask, knock. God is a loving father who loves to give good gifts to his children who ask him. Now think about it. A genuine request from a child is met with love and care, isn't it? Right? There's a big difference between, Dad, give me my sandwich now, which bristles. Big difference between that and, Dad, I'm hungry. Big difference, isn't there? This, this line struck me this week. We do not glorify God by trying to do things on our own so as not to bother him. We're talking about dependence today. A big part of this message today is all about what it means to depend on God. And, and we don't glorify him by thinking we can do it ourselves. I'm not going to bother him. There's a prideful part in my heart that thinks, no, 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 I can do this. 
Something I want to hone on this morning. We give God glory when we come to him in dependence, right? When we pray, give us today our daily bread, we are learning to trust God in grateful dependence. That's what I want to explore this morning. Trusting God in grateful dependence. I want to explore that by looking at a famous story in the Old Testament. Famous story from the book of Exodus chapter 16. When God's people are wandering out of the desert, it's the manna in the desert story. You may have heard of it before. You may have no idea what I'm talking about. It's a great story. God's people are enslaved in Egypt. Many of them, hundreds of thousands, some people think one and a half million Jews are in Egypt enslaved. They are not doing well. They are back, horrible conditions. They are working back-breaking conditions. The situation is dark. God's people are losing hope. Where are you, God? You've obviously forgotten us. You've left us here to suffer. But God has not forgotten. And God has heard their cries of pain. God meets Moses famously in the desert, in the burning bush, yep, and tells him, go to the king of Egypt, the most powerful man on earth at that time, the Pharaoh, and Moses, you tell him to let my people go. And Moses, understandably, is a little scared, a little confused. And he asks this question, he says, God, who should I say is sending me? Like, who are you? When I go to my people and I say, this is what God has told me to do. Who should I say sent me? And then God says, I am Yahweh. He gives his personal name to Moses, Yahweh. What does that mean? It means I am who I am. It means I will be who I will be. And what does that mean? It means this, Moses, when you go to the people and they ask who sent sent you, say this, watch out. Who is Yahweh? Wait and see. God is what he does. Does that make sense? Who is God? Let's see what he does. So who is Yahweh? What is he like? He is rescuer. He is saviour because he rescues his people from slavery in Egypt in the most spectacular way. You know the story. God sends plagues upon the Egyptians in judgment for oppressing his people. And then he rescues them in the most incredible way by parting the Red Sea. And then the Egyptian army follow and God sends the wave crashing after them and destroys the Egyptian army. Who is God? He is rescuer. What is he like? He is saviour, powerful saviour. What else is God like? Well, God's people after that miraculous, out of the Red Sea being saved, they're led into the desert. God leads them into the desert and unfortunately it doesn't take very long for God's people to really start complaining. They whinge and they complain, why did you bring us here? There's nothing to eat, there's nothing to drink, we're in the desert. We were slaves back in Egypt but at least we had stuff to eat. And God, instead of totally annihilating his people, he provides for them out of his grace. Instead of destroying them for for whinging and complaining, he says, I am your God, you will be my people and I will provide for you. This is one of God's names in the Old Testament, Yahweh Jireh, God provider. How does he do that? You are to learn to trust me for your provision. How does he do that? Well, instead of God, excuse me, every morning God gives his people bread from heaven, which the people call manna, which literally means what is it? 
They would have found it and said, what is it? And that's what they called the manna in the desert. What is it? It was wafer thin, it tasted like honey, and it was good for them. After the dew had dried on the, on the desert floor in the morning, a thin bread was left, and the Israelites were told to collect enough just for that day. God said, just take enough for the day. Trust me, there will be more to collect tomorrow. Just collect enough for this day. And the good news is, what happened? The good news is, the people always trusted God from then on and never doubted. Well, the Bible would be a very short book if that were true. It's not true for the Israelites, and it sure ain't true for us. God's provision was just so clear, miraculous provision, but some doubted. Some gathered more than they needed, and they kept it until the next day. Yeah, I, I know God said, just take enough for today. And I know he said, there will be more tomorrow, but just in case, I'm going to keep some. Just in case, I'm going to save some for tomorrow. And it didn't work too well for these people because the, the manna, the bread that they, they kept for tomorrow, it was all moldy and they couldn't eat it as God said it would be. And then God in his infinite mercy gives his people another gift. He gives them the gift of rest, the Sabbath. That just means a day set aside. Back in Egypt, they didn't get a day off. Slaves didn't get a day off. But you are my people. I am your king now. I am your God. And you will have a day off. You will have rest. A special day to worship me and to, to not work. And so the night before this, collect enough manna for two days. There won't be any on the, on the Sabbath to collect. And it won't be moldy overnight. Trust me. And you know what the people did? You guessed it. Yeah, but what if the bread does go moldy, you know? And, and what if we run out? What if we just don't have enough? I'd better go out the next morning on the Sabbath just in case. What if, what if? Aren't these Israelites just so silly? Not being able to trust God at his word for their provision. And, and their actions really kind of reveal the attitudes of their hearts, don't they? As our actions so often do. I know God said this. I know he said this, but I'm not sure if I can trust him. And friends, let's be honest with ourselves for a moment. Are we really so different? It's very easy to point the finger, oh, that was so foolish, so untrusting. Are we so different? Jesus knows we are not, right? He knows that to trust him is hard. To see with the eyes of faith is hard. And that's why he says what Nick read for us this morning. This is truly a beautiful passage, is it not? Therefore, I tell you, Jesus teaches us, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? You don't believe me? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I love that last line. So practical, so true. How many hours of our lives do we take away 
from worrying. In teaching us to pray, give us today our daily bread, Jesus is teaching us what? Just like the Israelites learned, God can be trusted to provide our needs. Jesus is teaching us to trust him for our daily provision, to foster daily dependence on our wonderful Lord. There is something profound in that word daily, don't you think? Give us today our daily bread. I think we need to stop on that word and give it some attention. I don't know what I did. Yep, okay. Because let's just be honest with ourselves for a moment. We do struggle with this. We do struggle with this. We would like to pray, Lord, give me in this moment what I need for now and every moment from now on. That's what we want to pray. That's what we are tempted to pray. I'm so often tempted to pray that. Why? Because we want to see with our eyes the supply of bread lined up, don't we? We want to see it. The security of bread. And then we think that's We'll have what we need. We will be happy then, won't we? That's what we think. If I could see it, then I would trust. But God asks us to use the eyes of faith instead. A big moment for me personally, and I'm still learning to, to, to apply this to my life, but a big moment for me happened uh, when we were living in the US toward the end of our time there and really wrestling with the decision of whether to stay or come home. A lot of you know what it's like. Do we stay in this country or, or, or move to this country? They are not easy decisions. And we were wrestling. I was doing in the music industry at the time. Do we stay and try and continue to build what we've tried to build here for years or come home? Hard, hard decisions. And I remember at one point speaking to a mentor friend of mine, just sharing my heart. Just, I don't know what to do. And I think I said something like, why can't God just show me? Why can't God just show me where I need to go, show me what I need to do? Why can't he show me just all the steps and I'll do it? And my friend, wise man, shot back at me so fast. He knew all his wisdom. He said, if God told you that, you'd never speak to him again. Whew. How faithless did he think I was? He was absolutely right. If, if God told you, told you all of that, you'd never speak to him again. It really hit me. Come to me daily for your daily bread. Why? It's a way of humbling me. If I didn't do this, I don't know what I'd become. It's a way of humbling me, reminding me that I do need him more than anything. And his gifts and his plans are good for me. Let me say what my friend said to me years ago, okay? God does not intend to give you the whole plan all mapped out. It's not going to happen. Stop asking for it. He doesn't intend to give you all the bread today, all the things you need for life, for other days, on this day. Not going to happen. So stop asking for it. Give me today, this day what I need. Just think about this for a moment. Would we really want God to pour out a year's worth, an infinite amount on us at one moment? Would we really want that? We might think we would. 
Would we want a God that just poured out all these blessings and then just kind of checked in on us every year or so, like some sort of terrible parent? Here's a Macca's voucher that'll last you a couple of years. I'll check back in in a little while. Or do we want to be like some kids from, of a billionaire that only checks in with their father when the credit card limit is up? No, that's not a relationship. There's no trust, there's no love, there's no intimacy there. It is not what God wants for us. He knows best. And here's something. God, in his kindness, in his mercy, is wanting to protect us from making the mistake of misplaced trust. Right? God, in his mercy, his kindness, is trying to prevent us from making the mistake of misplaced trust. What does that mean? Our trust will either be in God and his provision or something else. It's a fact. We are hope-fueled creatures. We look for it anywhere. It's just a fact. It's in God or something else. I think it's worth thinking about. What do we look to and think, it's okay, I got this. When we start to get nervous, when we hear about maybe the economy being shaky or whatever it is, we think, it's okay, I got this. Could be salary, savings, superannuation. I don't know. What is it? As Christians, it may not feel like a gift, but it is. We are given the gift of truth. And the truth is what? Life is fragile. We are fragile. I was reading a book uh, this, this week talking about a, a shipwreck that happened in the 1850s just off the coast here in Australia. And one of the, uh, the everyone died but one. And uh, it's an incredible story. I'm sure many more sermons will have sermon illustrations from this book. It's incredible, the wrecking of the Dunbar. And uh, one uh, writer from the Herald at the Times said, this is a reminder that our lives are gossamer thin, fragile. That stayed with me. Gossamer, I think that's a, a type of cloth or something, isn't it? It's very thin, silk-like, gossamer thin. It's a a gift to know this, friends, because God is our strength and refuge and ever-present help in trouble. Our lives are much more fragile when we think. A phone call from a doctor after a routine blood test saying, you better come in. An abrupt email from the boss at work, your contract's been terminated. Relationship with a client goes south and they were a huge part of the income. A personal relationship goes south. What am I going to do? A letter informing you, your accountant, financial advisor has been arrested on fraud charges. These things happen. And I do not say these things to try and produce fear. No, no, no. Because we are commanded, do not fear. We are not to fear. Because our hope is not in these things. They're a gift. They're a blessing when, when they come. But is our confidence, our hope, our trust in these things? May it not be. God is our great provider. When we have God and nothing else, friends, we have enough. God wants us to come every day so he can meet us every day, so he can feed us every day. All right, that's a fair bit on dependence. I wanted to spend some time on that, but I felt like we needed it. I sure did. Give us today our daily bread. God is fostering 
dependence on him, which is a good thing. It's not a dirty word. It's a good thing. All right, let's talk about worry and contentment for a moment. Can we do that? Verse 33 of Matthew 6. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Did you hear that? Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Could it be, let me posit this, could it be that we are so overwhelmed so much of the time with anxiety and worry because we are trying to do what we were never meant to do? Could it be that we are overwhelmed with worry and anxiety because we're trying to do what we were never meant to do, never intended to do, never built to do? We are not meant to overwhelm ourselves with the future and its worries. Why? Because we are not currently equipped to deal with them. I'm sorry to point that out, (laughs) but you're not, but I'm not. Jesus says what? Leave tomorrow for tomorrow and come to me for what you need today. This really is another way of saying give us today our daily bread, isn't it? Today's grace is for today's trial, not for tomorrow's, for today's. When tomorrow's trials come, and they will, God will have new grace waiting for us there. What a promise. Do we believe it? When we overwhelm ourselves with worry, we miss out on the grace for today. I don't know about you, I wonder if you do this. I've often looked at people and the things they have to deal with in their lives and I've often thought, I could never do that. Have you thought that? You looked at other people, maybe their families, situation, whatever it is, if you looked at it and thought, I could never do that. You know, I'm sure I've said that to Pip, you've said that to me, just I could never do that. Every now and then, um, I'm a type 1 diabetic and, and people ask me about my diabetes often when I inject insulin. I'm on a pump now. I don't do that as much, but I used to do it a lot. And people would ask me about it. I'm very happy to talk about it. And people sometimes say, oh, I hate needles. I could never do that. And sometimes I don't often I don't really ever say it, but sometimes I want to say, do you think I like them? <laughs> I got diabetes because I love needles. It was a reward. Of course I don't like them. Uh, But the truth is, if you're faced with a choice of having some needles or death, it's not a choice. And, you know, honestly, it's not an easy thing to live with. Not an easy thing to live with. But here's something to, to note. It's not their life, it's mine. Right? I've got to trust God to give me the grace that I need today to deal with the trials for today. Dealing with it, It's not on their job description. It's on mine. Something else difficult will be, though, guaranteed, will be on your job description. And we have a choice. Do we trust God to give us the grace that we need that day to deal with that trial? Faith is trusting that when the future comes, with whatever it comes with, God will meet us there with the grace that we need. 
His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I hope that's an encouragement to you this morning. Last thing I want to say about this. There's so much more. I hope we can dissect all there is to talk about on this topic in our small groups this week. So much. But I think it would be remiss of me if I didn't talk about give us today our daily bread and mention the plural. Give us today our daily bread. We'd be missing something if we didn't talk about that. When we pray this, I absolutely believe Jesus intends us to pray for the daily needs of others as well. And hopefully to be moved to do something about them. This is the time in our prayer lives when we stop and we bring the needs of our family, our church, our neighbourhood, our community before God. And hopefully it helps us want to be aware of that. Who in our lives is in hospital? Who is in need? Who is lonely? We bring these people before God and we ask him to provide for their needs. Lord, is there anyone in my family, my neighbours, my church that's in need? Lord, show me who is in need. I believe that's a prayer God loves to answer. Would you be bold enough to pray it? Because this is the church at work, isn't it? I'm pretty confident we all would want to be part of a church that is prioritising the needs of others. We are the hands and feet of Christ. We are called to action. And I believe this extends to the world's poor too. It must. I can't wait for next week hearing from Lissa from Baptist World Aid. We do so much. Well, they do so much. We invest in the incredible projects they do to help thousands of the world's poor and the most vulnerable. What a privilege. What a blessing. This week, would you join me in praying, Lord, how generous do you want me to be? Next week, we'll be asking for people to contribute financially. Start praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? How generous would you have us be? Again, I believe that's a prayer God loves to pray. Okay, how are we doing for time? Let me, let me end here with a story. Um, it's, uh, I used to share a lot of band stories. It's been quite a while since we've had one, so I thought it's time. It's time. It's time. I think it illustrates some, uh, the, these, these uh, topics of contentment and dependence and gratefulness. We, uh, we spent some, uh, about four years over there in the States and we were just absolutely thoroughly blessed enough to meet incredible people. And this one couple really stood out. They were amazing, generous, kind-hearted people. We got to know them when we heard their story. The husband, uh, he was a, a very smart guy. And he made an absolute fortune through business ventures and not long after lost everything. I mean everything. And uh, it really transformed him and him and his wife uh, dramatically. Through the time of loss, his faith grew dramatically. God used that time to speak to him in a powerful way. He realized he had placed far too much confidence in his abilities and in his wealth, and he learned what true riches are, the true riches in Christ 
and it completely changed this couple. He, they, they decided together if they ever had financial success again, um, that they would do things very differently. Uh, well, that did happen. God chose to bless them financially even more than the first time. He used to talk about himself a bit like a Job character. And uh, I tell you what, I've never seen an example, a better example, of generosity and kingdom investment than this beautiful couple. They always used to say, everything I have is God's, we're just the trustees. I like that. Everything we have is God's, we're just the trustees. And him and his wife are always actively looking for ways to be the hands and feet of Christ. Who can we bless today? Who can we serve today? Well, this one evening, uh, we used to spend some time socially with them. This one evening they'd invited us over for dinner. It was before kids. It was just Pip and I. And so we drove up to their place and we, we were just sitting in the car outside their house because it was a, a tricky time for us. Uh, it was at a time when we were financially really tight. And uh, that kind of feels like all the time. That could, that could uh, yeah, encapsulate really our whole time in Christian music. Uh, but this one month, man, we were really tight. And we didn't know what to do. We were, I must admit, I was pretty anxious about it. How are we going to pay, pay ourselves, pay others? Uh, so many costs. And we didn't know what to do. And I just remember sitting in that car, wondering if we should tell our friends. They were so generous. But they had been generous before. And we thought, what do we do here? And my wonderfully godly wife said, well, we should pray. We should ask our Heavenly Father. And so we did. We sat in that car, Lord... Please give us what we need. We're worried, but we trust you. Amen. And we thought, you know what? We're not going to ask tonight. Sometimes it is absolutely appropriate to ask people, totally. But we just felt convicted. No, 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 we're going to trust you, God. And if they ask, we'll be honest, but we don't want to bring it up. We had a lovely evening with them. It was awesome. And then we were leaving. And as we headed to the front door, the husband just quietly came alongside me and asked me, how are you guys going financially? How are you going financially? We just must have looked poor, right? Just <laughs> smelt poor or something. How are you going? You need a shower? How, how are you going? And, uh, I, and I, I just was honest. I said, it's, been a, it's a tough month. And uh, things are pretty tight, but we're just trusting God. And uh, he said, hold on a second. He came back and he stuffed a little envelope in my pocket and said, thanks for coming. And, and so, you know, it all happened so fast. And we, we got back out to the car and I opened up the envelope. And, of course, the amount on the check was exactly what we needed to get through that time. We have so many stories just like that one. Exactly what we needed. And let me say this. It was not enough for the year. It wasn't enough to go to Bali for a staff retreat. <laughs> it was enough for that time. Enough for that time. And I tell you what, and it was generous, let me say. But it started with a prayer. Lord, please provide for us. You know what? I, it started before that. It started with our friends. That morning, I am so confident they were most likely on their knees saying, God, Show us where you want to use us. Show us where we can invest, where we can be your hands and feet. Friends, do you believe Jesus when he says, do not worry? He is only credible to say, do not worry, if he can do something about it, and he can. 
We can trust him with our daily provision. We can trust him with our salvation. We ask, oh, I don't know, can we trust God? Does he really love us? We look back at the cross to remember all that he has done for us. He went to the cross willingly for you and for me. Do you think he would neglect us in our daily needs? We can trust him. He is good and we can trust him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you really are our great provider. We ask that you would build our faith. We ask that you would give us today our daily bread. And Lord, if there is anyone in need, in our family, in our church, in our neighbourhood, in our community, we ask that you would provide for them. And we ask, if you want, that you would use us. Lord, we pray that you would teach us humble dependence, get rid of our pride, and foster an intimacy with us, Lord, that would be for our good. May we be grateful for what we already have. Would we be content? In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.